0: unique yet common sense opinions on sports this is jeff allen sports talk thanks again for hitting that play button on this week's show we're gonna give you some entertainment to help you get through some of the storm that's coming through towards wherever it's gonna go (laughs) around the state of florida my colleague from the nightline sports network adam eaton he is the co-host of the Sons of UCF podcast. Today, we're going to talk about media and broadcasting. Adam, how are you?
1: Jeff, I am well. Thanks for having me back. I think this is my third appearance, so I'm honored that you keep uh, letting me back on your show. I appreciate it.
0: That's right. No, I'm glad to have you. Of course, you also take part in our uh, our roundtables that we do uh, with uh, other various members of the uh the community that uh, covers the UCF nights in podcast or electronic form. So that's always a a blast as well. So uh, you and I both share a love of, you know, following what happens in the media uh, business and broadcasting and things like that. So I thought we'd have some fun uh, conversing about that. And of course, I want to lead off one of my favorite topics, the four letter network. uh, uh, ESPN. And you know, one of my biggest gripes about ESPN is that they uh, are, are so wanting to control the narrative of how they broadcast a game and not necessarily broadcast the game itself. And a recent example would be the KBO. And now I've watched a little bit of it being that I'm an early riser and things like that. And I know that our country is not going to just, you know, be all wild and gaga about KBO baseball, but just the same, it's a sporting event, and ESPN needed need programming, and they're putting it on the air and and whatnot. But uh, they constantly are doing the little Brady Bunch box on the side, uh, having conversation with announcers, and they have guest after guest after guest. So, are you covering a game or doing a talk show? <laughs> is what I want to yeah. know.
1: It's hard to say. I was listening, so I often hear it on my drive into work. It's on my ESPN Extra, I think, on a Sirius XM station. And I, I never know who's on because sometimes I catch it midstream. And I, I listened the other day because they were talking football. I think it was somebody with the Big Ten. And, Jeff, I probably went like 12 minutes, and I didn't hear a single update about the game. Now, to your point, I wasn't there for the game update. I didn't know who was playing. I don't have a, you know, quote-unquote horse in that race. But it was interesting. You got to wonder – um, you know, what What kind of ratings that draws in? I know initially they were, they were pretty strong out of the gate, but now as major sports have come back into our mainstream, I was actually surprised, A, they still had it on, but B, I mean, I, I kind of agree, it's one of those things where you're either gonna fish or cut bait. Let's either show the game and talk about what's what's happening, find the storylines within the game, or, you know, make it a talk show with, with baseball on in the background. Um, but it, it does feel a little awkward the way they've done that. Again, I'm surprised they've stuck with it, actually. Um, because it's bumped around, some of their early morning shows, Get Up and First Take, have been bumped around a little bit, um, and I, I would assume from an ESPN standpoint, those are much, much, much more valuable properties than the KBO. So I'm surprised they've stuck with it as as real sports, quote unquote, have, have come back. But it is a confusing watch. Initially, it was fun, it was entertaining. You were seeing these guys on Zoom and you're hearing some cool conversations. But now it's just kind of like, okay, wait. I want to hear a talk show i'll just i'll go listen to the other you know 17 dials of talk radio and i don't need the baseball ambiance in the background
0: yeah it was interesting like i was watching this morning a little bit and uh tom hart who's one of their sec broadcasters is doing the game with i think kyle peterson and of course tom hart has to roll this kid out to to be on screen and it's like okay i didn't tune into this to watch watch your kid, (laughs) you know, not not that I'm anti-parent or anything, but you know, it's like, okay, what are we really doing here? So it is. What I find funny about that though, Jeff, let's cut
1: you off. What I find funny about that is do you think American sports fans would stand for that during a quote unquote regular game? Like, yep. do you think American sports fans would stand for that if they're in the NBA right now? Or as you and I are talking, uh, and, uh, Orlando City's playing on MLS right now, right, in, in uh round of eight. And if all of a sudden they just broke out with a, a, a squawk box of <laughs> Tony Kornheiser, Mike Wilbon, and, you know, Jay Adonde, are people going to be like, what are we doing here? So <laughs> it's funny how that works. But um, I, I guess I'll applaud in, in a small sense, you know, they found programming when programming was needed. So Mm -hmm. give them kudos for that. Um, They did something a little different. And one thing I've said on my show a ton of times on the sons of UCF is if there's ever a time for either a league or a network to take a chance, this is the time. This is the one time when viewers and listeners and admirers will give you that opportunity. Um, So I applaud them for giving it a shot and trying it. I feel like we're at the point where this is kind of sunset a little bit. Um, Good experiment, but yeah, I'm, I'm confused when I'm watching these days and frankly, with other sports back on, I'm watching it less and less than I ever was before.
0: Yeah. Well, to kind of continue on that theme where they also drive me crazy is during March Madness. And so during all the uh, the conference tournament games, particularly with the lower, uh, you know, uh, conferences, uh, you know, all of a sudden they squeeze the screen down and they pop Joe Leonardi's giant melon on the right side. And they sit there and talk about bracketology all throughout the course of a game. And I find that very frustrating. I also think you would think too, you know, they're wanting so much more to be done on streaming, watching on mobile devices, I wouldn't be too thrilled if I'm watching on a tablet or a phone to see, you know, the game screen be about that, you know, an inch big.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You think that the second screen experience would be something they'd want to try for some of those things. Right. The March Madness is interesting because, you know, ESPN doesn't care about the MIAC and the Horizon League and, you know, all these other leagues until it's time for tournament time. then it's, you know, tournament week on ESPN and it's graphics and it's imaging and it's all this stuff. Right. Um, But I mean, I think ESPN is proven. I know you and I are, are, you could probably be accused of being UCF homers, uh, and so we have a <laughs> we have a bit of a bias towards that. But obviously, we feel, and and I would say UCF is on the cusp of a, of that G five level if they're not already pretty much in that conversation. And yet, we still sometimes get the disrespect of you know being the the second act on on the on the broadcast, and you know being you know down talked or being kind of marginalized in the broadcast. I can only imagine how some of these other conferences feel, but that's kind of ESPN's mo, right? I mean. To, if we're going to be fair to them, um, you know they, they don't build a network that's been there 40 plus years on accident. So mm-hmm. they've they've certainly found a formula that it works. But as a sports fan, if you're a hardcore fan and you want to see, you know, if, if Illinois State can win the league, yeah, I'm I'm probably pretty annoyed that I got to I got to sit through some of that stuff. And Lonardi's an interesting case altogether. I saw you put it in the notes. That's always been a pet peeve of mine. So for those who don't know, mm-hmm. I believe he's the he's the SID, the Sports Information Director at St. Joe's in PA. So he's he's got a inherent bias in some respects right now i'm sure he does his job and, and i don't know how official some of these bracketology degrees really are in the end of it but it's interesting that they i don't even think espn really acknowledges that sometimes and puts on the screen or on the cryon that he's also from st joe's because to be fair that's an interesting tidbit that you'd want to know about um i've always found it funny that they haven't hired somebody in-house right to to become that and, and sort of either you know sever ties with lenardi i guess at this point he's kind of like the mel Kiper of the you know, the bracketology piece, but just like they found, you know, Todd McShay, there's got to be somebody else out there that can figure out how to put 65 or 68 teams together in a bracket.
0: Yeah, I just find it interesting because, you know, I, I always go back to the point of, you know, they do all this talk about bracketology, which changes so much over the course of the time anyway. And it's like, well, you know, you got hours upon hours of studio shows that you're also running that in, you can kind of leave it there.
1: <laughs> I also find the, the bracketology thing also annoys me a tad, and sometimes they roll out the analyst, and listen, I, he, he's a veteran, he is a mainstay in the industry, um, and he's somebody that you know he deserves to see at the table. But if we can be honest for a second, how much basketball is Dick Vitale watching these days? <laughs> and they, they trot him out on the set and they're asking him does does Monmouth belong? And he's blown his mind up because Syracuse didn't get in this year. And, and for me, like, I, I want to hear the credible voices. I understand Vital's the big name, but you know, Jay Billis knows a heck of a lot more. Seth Greenberg is really well versed on that stuff. Jay Williams, I always had an issue with. I'm not sure how much he's plugged in. Jalen Rose was never plugged into college basketball. I don't know why he was on that show. He belonged in the NBA show. But their their whole bracketology coverage. Um, but to be, if I'm going to be honest with you, Turner's not any better because they tried out Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley, who you and I both know don't watch a lick of college basketball until they're until it's time to turn the monitors on for March Madness because they're in the NBA. So I don't know where your alternative outlet is um, Fox doesn't seem to really want to get involved in that business because, you know, they have the Big Ten and they have the tournaments. I don't know that they have the, the bandwidth or the manpower to put that on. But it always trots, it always kind of bothers me when they trot out by Tal And, you know, I think we can all be transparent that we, we recognize he's not watching these games. He's not ingrained in it. So, you know, it always makes that whole thing feel more of a uh, – uh, a show to entertain versus a show to inform. Yeah. The
0: vital thing is interesting when you bring that up because, you know, uh, you know, you know, and Dick vital and and God bless him for the way he loves college basketball and a great, you know, patron of the sport, you know, give that to him a hundred miles over, you know, and his shtick was fun in the day, but you know, I also likened him to like Chris Berman guys that eventually become cartoon characters of themselves. And you know, you hear him do a game. He does zero analysis. You know, it's all you know his his schtick, and they're going off about his book, or going about, hey, Ricky Pitino, I love the band. You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's you know he's the entertainer of the broadcast, right? He's not an analyst in that respect anymore. And you know, uh, kudos to ESPN. I know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Mike Golick probably in a little bit, but you know, ESPN made a tough decision with him. You know, four or five years ago, bumping him off the main game and really giving that to Jay Billis to be sort of the lead analyst. Um, And I I think that was a really smart decision. They kind of, in my opinion, got in front of it before it became to a point where, where it became with Berman or with a goal like where it's like okay what are we doing with with you know you know uh, legendary voice X who we think is probably past his or her prime but we want to move on you know ESPN got in front of that early with Vital and again you, I listen he can get a game and, and sort of be you know the grand poobah of college basketball I think that's a totally fair role he can play but I don't want to see him on my final four game I don't want to see him in any really big game of consequence a Saturday night game when you know Duke's playing Virginia yeah that's great you know he's pumping the crowd up and he's having a good time that's a good atmosphere but when it comes time to to watch some of the serious games I don't know that I want Vital as my lead voice on that stuff
0: yeah and I think the other thing and you touched on it just briefly uh on ESPN coverage particularly in college football you know when a G5 game is on you know they're 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 doing their constant conversation about the the upcoming you know power five game of the week and you know again I always go back to you got the studio show for that. And, and again, I, I do agree with you. I get very annoyed when they start going down that path. And because I like to watch games just to watch the games.
1: Yeah. Well, it makes you wonder who, you know, who is ESPN for? You know, is ESPN for hardcore sports fans like you and I? Or is it for the casual sports fan who they want to, you know, you know, traffic and weather every five, right on, on the <laughs> yeah. five? Do they want to keep every five? They want to keep telling you about, you know, don't forget Saturday night, Clemson and Notre Dame, only on the eighth. Do they want to, you know, keep that in there? Um, and I think. I think where they find that line is always interesting. I think there are some times that they want to play to the hardcore sports fan. And then there are times where they I think they're trying to, to, to appeal to the broad masses. And it's, you know, traffic and weather on the fives. And every you know, every, every five minutes they're updating it. They're telling you what game's playing and, and what they're going to be on. And, or they're cutting in for the highlight of that game. Um, you know, in some respects, that's just kind of, unfortunately, how the, the, the little guy is treated. Um, and I assume they have ratings and metrics that tell them that's the right thing to do. As a viewer, often I feel cheated. But, again, I often wonder, am I in the minority on that, right? Am I in the minority crowd versus the majority crowd in terms of of how much that, you know, that annoys me? But, again, you and I are UCF homers. We're kind of little guy homers, so we probably carry some of that bias in there as well.
0: Yeah. Um, So they're going to have a new Monday Night Football booth before I get to that. What did you think of Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane?
1: I like Joe Tess. I actually think he's he's entertaining. He's got a lot of energy. Um, I actually like him on a broadcast. I did not like Booger. I mean, seems like a really nice – I don't know, obviously, spoiler alert, but seems like a nice guy, but just, just couldn't get the mechanics of the broadcast down, in my opinion. You know, missed too many important moments. I think there was a fourth down last year. He told someone to take a knee, right? Like, he just misses some of those mechanics that are easily picked up on a game. I, I just don't think he was the right fit for the speed. I think he's a good studio analyst, but, again, I, I think he's more – trending personality than he is ex and O guy but I like Joe Tess I thought he had energy I thought he you know he had some passion he's probably a better college football voice though if I'm going to be honest in that atmosphere with the crowd pumped up and you know cheerleaders and pom-poms and, and you know some of the, the revelry with that but I, I actually like Joe Tess as a play-by-play guy he was just probably miscast
0: in the NFL season yeah, maybe a little over the top for the NFL as far as yeah. that goes. So the new crew will be uh, Steve Levy, uh, Brian Greasy, and Louis Riddick, and uh, that's uh, I think uh, pretty sound choices. And you know, and, and Monday Night Football is never going to be what it was, you know, with the 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 Cosell and Gifford days. It's just, it's just not built that. The world doesn't work that way anymore. So I and and ultimately, you and I don't tune in because of the announcers. We tune in because we want to watch sports and a good football game but I do like I do like these choices I I've, I've been a big Steve Levy fan he's definitely one of the most versatile guys and he's done a great job over on college football in the last few years yeah, he's an interesting choice. I'm actually
1: pretty pretty happy with him. I think he's got the, just a, a bit of self-deprecation, which is important. I don't think he takes himself too seriously. He's willing to have fun, um, you know, kind of crack jokes with his with his audience, crack jokes with his co-hosts. I think that's a that's a good skill. He's not your serious, you know, down the middle play-by-play guy like a Sean McDonough was a, a few years back. Although Sean had some dry humor that I thought was was good, but Steve's, I think, you know, showing it, he's he's got personality there. He's got an interesting career too, by the way. On a quick Steve Levy side note, I mean he he's you know ESPN sports center for a while he was typically their on-site hockey reporter with Barry Melrose they were always at that Stanley Cups um, and then he transitioned it to play-by-play. Just for a couple of years, of play-by-play were rough, in my opinion. I've I listened to his, you know his, his, some of his games. He did the UCF Fiesta Bowl in 2018 for LSU, um, and he it, it, it can be a little rough at times. But I think it's a good choice. I think it's a safe choice. But what this lineup tells me is you just said it perfectly. I think with the you know with the Booger and the Jason Witten experiments of the past two teams, even Groom to an extent, Groom kind of grew into the role. Um, This tells me ESPN is prioritizing the game over the announcers. And I think in the previous iterations, they were saying, let's get these big voices, these big names, these big personalities, and let's put them in the booth and and make magic happen. And what I think you get with Levy, Greasy, and Lewis Riddick is sound people who aren't going to be over the top. They're going to just call a football game. And they're not going to draw attention to themselves. They're going to keep the attention on the game. In fact, I was trying to think of my signature Brian Greasy announcing moment, and I got nothing. I can't, <laughs> I can't even recollect a game he called that I was like, oh, wow, that was great analysis. I think Riddick will be interesting on what, what um, perspective he brings. Obviously, he was an uh, NFL off front office, and I think he's the front office insider is his title on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So I think he'll bring some interesting insight. But I think Greasy is a safe choice which tells me that ESPN is saying to themselves, let's make it about what's on the field now. We spent too much time trying to make it within the booth and the booger mobile and Jason Witten straight off the field and let's recreate Tony Romo and let's have John Gruden out there calling funny nicknames but and let's get back to solid, just solid announcers who can do their job, which, again... To me, I think that's a really safe and I think it's a strong strategy because no one's gonna turn off a game because they say these guys are boring. Yes. Like I don't I don't know of a single person who watches a game and goes, Ah, these guys are boring, I can't take it. The yeah. only reason people turn off games or go to the sound off is because the announcers annoy them. And I don't think these three guys are gonna annoy you. So I think ESPN wins in that sense is that you're not gonna turn the volume off when these three guys are on.
0: Yes, and Steve Levy, of course, had the infamous moment on SportsCenter when he was uh, doing a SportsCenter with Keith Olderman with the bulging disc that he disc, left the yes. S out of. <laughs> yeah. it was one of the great classic bloopers of all time. And Keith Olderman... Offers no help but to laugh. He does not. Know.
1: That's. The, I feel like that's the one Sports Center anchor you can't make a gaffe around because he will. He will just let that awkward silence sit, right? <laughs> um, and some of those bloopers are, are, are funny. But I like, mean, had a good career. I mean, uh, I think you know versatility is important, right? Play by play, on site reporter, Sports Center anchor. Not too many people at ESPN that you can think about have done that. Mike Tirico is probably another name, although he's in NBC now. You can't think of too many guys who've who held that kind of realm. So um, it certainly shows his versatility.
0: Yeah, and you, of course you never want to be the guy that follows the guy because, you know, McDonough followed Mike Tirico, who's, you know, just, you know, one of the very best in the business, and that's not to slight Sean McDonough in any way, but yeah. you don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy, you want to be the next guy in the line, yeah. which is usually, you know, of course that didn't work out for Testor quite so well, but I digress. Um, And of course, they're going to have their college uh, lead team of Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet call one of the uh, they're going to call the first Monday night game when they do the doubleheader to open the season. And there's some consideration that if college does not play, that they might call more Monday night games. Um, We'd have to see how that would play out. I I think it would be a big mistake to move those guys off of college permanently myself.
1: It's, it's like that ESPN thing where if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Um, and again, I know we'll talk about, you know, goal in a few minutes probably, but the same thing with Mike and Mike. Don't break up something that's good for the reason of just breaking it up, right? So, you know, don't bring Fowler and Herbstreet over off of a great property. They're great together. They've got great chemistry. They have, you know, marquee games every night. Those rings are always through the roof. Um, you know, don't bring them to the NFL if you don't have to. Now, there's nothing against either of those two individuals. I think they're both, you know, really well, but I think they found their spot. And my preference would always be keep them there. If I tuned into an NFL game and they were calling it, the first one I'd be like, okay, like I'll listen in, this is fine. But then I would probably get confused and, and, and you start to wonder, okay, how much are they watching these games? And then again, every team, every, I don't care who you root for, the announcer's always against your team. So that's always half the audience already hates you. The other half doesn't know they hate you, but will hate you soon enough. And I think that would just add additional um, context that th- those guys aren't doing that on the, you know, on a regular basis. So I, I think leave them in college, they're perfectly fine there. It's a really great team. It's a great property. I don't I don't see the need to, to move them off of
0: that. Yeah. Well, today was Mike Golick's last day on the radio after 22 years. Uh, of course, with uh, Trey Wingo, the last few, the legendary Mike and Mike show. And actually, his very first assignment, he was uh, paired up with Tony Bruno before the Mike and Mike pairing came along. I would tell you this, uh, you know, Mike and Mike, you know, I didn't find that to be a spectacular show. I didn't love it, but I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world either. I thought it was, uh, you know, good, a good solid sports radio program and it's morning drive it's nationwide they weren't controversial um but you know Mike Golick certainly you you have to give him a lot of credit uh he did a great job over the over the course of two decades
1: I found myself interested, like, you know, I had been a, a, a pretty you know, ardent Mike and Mike watcher and listener for a long time. I usually, so my routine, I'd have them have on the gym when I was working out. I'd always have them on mute, though, because, you know, I had headphones on or something. I'd always just kind of watch the screen um, and I'd turn it off real quick if I want to hear what they're saying, right? So i probably listen to Mike and Mike since, you know, I, I got a real job, my first ever real job where I had to drive to work at that hour in the morning and I was like, oh my God, what are people doing up this early? And luckily, people were on the radio, so that was cool for me. Um, and then when I moved, I, I lived on the West Coast for a while, and I, I just stopped listening because it just wasn't in my time bucket. Um, and I got back to the East Coast, and I didn't listen as much as I usually did with Trey Wingo. But I found myself being nostalgic when I when I heard Golub was leaving, because even though to your point, he was never like spectacular, right? There was nothing about him that you went, oh my goodness, this is the this is the best authority on this subject, or man, no one breaks down a game like Golub does, or this guy's really got a unique perspective. He didn't have any of those traits where you go, yes, that's the guy I have, but something about him always being on the radio and doing it for 23 years you know you kind of got used to his voice used to his opinions whether you agree with him or not and he's um, a funny guy and so and he, you know he was he was self-deprecating um you know as a family man i appreciated that he that he invited his family into the, into the show and into the life so in the last like two weeks i found myself more nostalgically watching golik and being like oh man i'm gonna miss him and i don't know why <laughs> you know what i mean and i i don't have that thing in my head that said oh he was great at this um i just think he did a really nice job of doing a really nice job and sometimes when you're trying to get people to listen to you for four hours a day and whatever small increments, that's really all you can ask for. Um, and, and kudos on heck run. I mean, Hey, just a life schedule that has to take, but be the, the, the many hats that he wore um, and people who are, you know, of, you know, 20, 25, 30 years old, probably don't even realize he played football before. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the transition when you can say to, you know, who's my goal. And they go, Oh, he's the radio guy. I think that tells you, All you need to know about how he transcended his career, because no one thinks of him as a former football player. He's now the guy on radio, Um, and I think that's you know that's that's the key part about how you should think about what he accomplished in his 20 plus years on Morning Drive.
0: Yeah, and Mike Golick, as he was on his way to ESPN Radio, I believe he had started doing sports talk radio in Phoenix. Yeah, Arizona. Yep. And uh, and then he actually did a uh, a quote unquote guest uh, spot. On uh, on seven forty, the team here in Orlando. Uh, okay. When I was working there, he, he they brought him in for a couple of days to to uh, audition, so to speak. And it wasn't long after that that he ended up on ESPN. So it was a uh, pretty interesting to see how how he uh you know quickly shot up through the ranks and uh and again you know he uh they showed one of his uh highlight clips this morning that I thought was extremely funny when uh it was uh, uh where he got his inner got an interception and it was a blitz play on the Cowboys where he went back into coverage and of course yep. Troy Aikman tackles him so Tackle not really yeah. about that
1: anyway. I think I, I think the status is he's had two or three interceptions and he got tackled by the quarterback every time <laughs> I think <laughs> is, is the stat that I always talk about the, one other thing about that that fascinates me so take in the mechanics of, you know, and you can feel any way you want about this as a listener. Mm-hmm. You know, apparently, allegedly, um, Golick learned about his removal from the radio show via media reports, did not hear from his bosses. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. Golick was on a podcast this week with Sarah Spain and kind of alluded to it, didn't flat out say it. Um, but then there were some, some intimations that he would try to join Mike Greenberg, so re, rejoin Mike and Mike together and Greenberg's new afternoon slot. And that essentially from what, you know, read between the lines, it sounds like Greenberg shot that down. And that Mike and Mike relationship fascinates me because they were so close. They were so synonymous. And I got to think that Greenberg, you know, obviously trying to separate himself out and really kind of put himself on that Mount Rushmore of ESPN just doesn't want that association anymore. And that, that whole relationship fascinates me. Goldberg very rarely talks about it. And he only talks about it in the sense of, I'm disappointed in how it ended. Greenberg never talks about it. Um, and that whole relationship and dynamic fascinates me because they were so synonymous with each other for so long. And then all of a sudden Poofy was gone and they're like never seen, they're never heard together. You never even, you know, um, you know, catch them even reminiscing together. And that whole thing just fascinates me how that fell apart on ESPN. Cause I was such a, you know, uh, Uh, just a a show that carried a ton of water for them from an advertising and a a financial perspective.
0: Very much like Mike and the Mad Dog, a show that was on the air for, you know, 20 years and they had a, you know, pretty uh, dusty breakup, if you will. So it was, it is, it is very, very intriguing. And of course you mentioned, uh, you know, Mike Greenberg is going to be uh, back on the radio. ESPN's new lineup. um, So the morning show is uh, what Keyshawn Johnson, Jason Williams, and uh, Zuma Behente. Um yeah. interesting choices. I think Keyshawn will be the star of that group because um, I think he's the most attention-getting of that group. Um, but I find that to be a very fascinating pairing, and and kind of under, understanding the logic of how they came up with that is is going to be remains to be seen.
1: Yeah. Beyond me. Keyshawn's interesting, right? He went to ESPN. He was on NFL countdown or NFL pregame, whatever or game day, whatever they call it, the, the morning show on Sundays. He was, you know, right out of retirement. He was the big free agent name that year, right? ESPN got him on set. And then, you know, they decided to blow up that entire set and he was gone. He got banished out to LA. He was doing afternoon drive radio. So he's had quite a resurgence now that he he went from sort of being banished off of the, you know, the, the NFL prime spot, um, to now morning drive across nationwide. Um, Jay Will is interesting. I mean, he's a guy I, I watched him a little bit on get up of late. He's definitely a guy that's opinionated. Um, he's a guy that's not afraid to say the thing Now, whether he believes the thing he says, I think we'll have to learn that about it over time. And then you have Zubin who, you know, if, anytime there's a major story on a Saturday or Sunday night, you turn on ESPN, it was always Zubin Banti. I don't know if he just lived in the building. I don't know where he was, <laughs> but he was that guy where was like, Hey, LeBron's out with the Lakers and boom, Zubin's on TV, right? Or Hey, so-and-so just got injured. Yeah, there was Zubin um, I don't know about him as a radio host, never seen him host, or I don't think I've even heard him fill in before. And I've, I feel like I've heard a lot of the fill in guys. I don't even know that I've ever heard Zubin fill in. Um, I think he might have done some uh, fill in work with Max Bretos, And I'm dating myself like five years back. I want to say they called their show Zubin and the Cuban, if I remember that correctly. Okay. Um, and I, it, unremarkable in my in my memory of it. So <laughs> to play traffic cop against two, you know, really big personalities um, who are both going to be opinionated, who both come from different sports, um, yeah, I don't know what to expect. That show, I told—I think I told you via text when you talked about this. I was really surprised. ESPN gave them the full four-hour morning shift. Um, a lot of the, the radio shows are doing the 6 to 9, 9 to 12. That's what the Fox Sports lineup looks like these days with Florio and Patrick into Colin Cowherd. I was surprised they gave him the full four hours and cut the hour off of Levitard, which I know is he's polarizing the ESPN circles, and I bet that's more of a, of a long-term um, decision on their part than the short-term. But I was surprised they committed four hours on morning drive to a show that I don't even know that we've ever heard those three guys talk together ever before. And um, I assume they did tests. I assume they did focus groups. I hope they did focus groups. But – I'll watch that initially just to kind of see what the what the fiasco looks like, but um, I'm not I'm not sure that that's going to be where I'll stay in the dial long term.
0: Yeah, then you bring up Levitard, and you know he he is a polarizing figure. Um, he's not my cup of tea personally, but uh, I do respect the job he does, and you know and and I, and I, I don't find him unlistenable. Um, and so to take the one show that has the most juice. Introduce it uh, for uh, for a radio network that seems to be kind of flailing is uh, is odd to me.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I, so admittedly, I've, I've been a Levitard guy for a while. So he started on 790 The Ticket, which is a local station down in Miami when I was living down in South Florida. Um, so I listened to his show early, early on, like, literally one of the first, like, weeks of, of that station coming on board because it was really the first all-talk sports radio station. QAM was down there, but I didn't really like Hank Goldberg was not in that scene. So it was a new up-and-coming young station. So I started listening to Levitard back in, like, 04 or five when he started. So I've kind of been along the ride for him. So now I get the show right um, after all these years. But he's not for everybody, um, and I can certainly see that if I if I didn't know any better, and I tuned that on, and I was trying to understand who won between the you know the Padres and the Dodgers, that I'd be like, what am I listening to here? Um, but it is surprising. He seems like a pretty you know um, uh, important property for ESPN. I think you know he's alluding to the fact that they are you know trying to push him more digital in the digital space, the podcast space. He has the Lebertard and Friends podcast network. Uh, obviously, there's a ton of shift in the audio game about things going to podcast. Who really listens to live radio anymore? Um, and so you got to figure that this move sets up that next move um, for Levitar. But I do think it was surprising that they took that way, that hour away from him and either either gave it to Greenberg on the back end or you know let let Keyshawn Zubin and Jay keep on the front end. It kind of does tell you where ESPN is putting in their priorities right now um, in terms of of where they're thinking about their lineup by cutting that hour and giving it to either one of those two guys in the book end.
0: Yeah, and then I look at my Greenberg getting his own radio show and I see him by himself and I kind of go meh.
1: <laughs> yeah who's gonna who's uh, i mean again greenberg was interesting because he was with golik there was a good synergy there um I, I tried to watch get up i don't know if you watched get up at all if that's part of your morning routine
0: mm, yeah. um yeah, I, I have a hard time it, but, watching get up to be honest
1: with you. yeah i tried early on and it was just a dumpster fire of a show the beetle was there and jalen and who knew what was going on and now it's just kind of the mike greenberg traffic cop hour where he's just kind of going from show to person to guest to interview to highlight um he doesn't he's not opinionated. Right. So I don't know that he's bringing hot opinions. Um, you know, he, he's reasonable, I guess. I mean, he's he uh, he can carry an audience, I think, for a while. But I just I don't know what you get out of that show. I don't know what what he's giving me in that time block that I that I need to have. Um, to your point, he's not somebody where I'm going to be like, oh, Greenberg's on. Let me get the car radio here um, mm-hmm. or I'm not going to download his podcast. Um, he's not a, a terrible voice. He's not, you know. It's not somebody who I, I I just can't stand. He's just kind of in that meh category. Yeah, I could I could take him really if he's on. Great, I'll listen. If I'm busy, if I'm not busy, you know, sure. But I'm not gonna. It's not appointment listening for me by any stretch. And I wonder how many people it is appointment listening for. I wonder I wonder how many people are really ready for um, a Mike Greenberg solo act because if you know Mike Greenberg on radio, you're listening probably for Mike and Mike. And Mm -hmm. that's not showing up. So how many people are going to be like, wait, what is, what am I listening to? I'd want to hear the jets talk for an hour and a half straight. I don't know if people are are, are tuning in for that or not.
0: And you also look at the time slot again? He's going against, you know, Rich Eisen and Jim (laughs) Rome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you wonder why he would even sign up for that. Right. He had, I, I think, by all accounts, and again from what what you can read in here, you know he was kind of the impetus for getting off of Mike and Mike. He wanted a new uh, a new vehicle. He wanted something a new challenge. You know he got Get Up, and that was kind of his his baby. ESPN, I think, is paying him six point five million dollars by reports, which is a pretty handsome sum of money. Um, I'm surprised he would sign up to to take on more workload because um, essentially now his day just extends. Right, he probably gets in the studio at five and he'll be there until 2, 3, 4 in the afternoon. So I gotta imagine he was living a good life prior to that, hitting golf balls and, you know, walking around. So um, either they gave him a couple more nickels on that contract or um, he really wanted back in radio. But I'm surprised on both sides that that's something that, that was uh, that was kind of reengaged because I just, I just wouldn't have suspected he'd come back to the radio waves. Yeah.
0: And then they'll follow him up with Max Kellerman, so they're sticking another TV head on the radio. <laughs> and and I, I do not eh, – you know, I think that's another meh. <laughs> yeah,
1: Max Kellerman, another guy with nine lives, right? I mean, he was the original host of Around the Horn, if you remember that. And then yeah. he left Around the Horn, and he had his own show on Fox. That was I, Max. it was called. Then he left that show, and then he was on ESPN New York radio. Then he was on ESPN LA radio. Then he was on First Take. I mean, he's had a lot of, a lot of lives, plus his boxing stuff he does on HBO. Um, he's a guy that I listen to, Jeff, and I just don't know if – I don't know if I can believe what he's telling me. And not that I think he lies to me, but I – he's often got such wild opinions that I'm like, you don't even believe that. And, and <laughs> for me, the credibility factor is huge. If I'm going to devote any amount of my time in the radio, I either want to be entertained, I want to be informed or I want to be made to think something. And I don't know that, that, that Kellerman or Greenberg really does either of those three things for me. Um, and, and with, with Kellerman and maybe it's his first take persona every time, like, he, you know, he argues a point. I'm like, wait, what you, I don't even think you believe that. I think he just argues it's argue it. Um And so, I, I, I just kind of rail against the talking head hot take mentality. and I, I just feel like he falls in that lane if we're going to, you know, categorize him as a broadcaster.
0: Yeah, well, you look at the fact that, you know, that's what him and Stephen A. do on their show. It's just, you know, who's got the most ridiculous hot take on the same topic? It's, it, it, and, and, you know, and Stephen A.'s radio stuff, you know, comes and goes too. So it's – Yeah, you know.
1: and I find it odd that ESPN, you know, both of those two gentlemen – are, have thrived, right, or, or their, their, their greatest peaks in their careers have been surrounded by others. You know, mm-hmm. Golik, you know, for, for Greedy, Max with, you know, with Stephen A. on first take, and yet they're both solo shows. Uh, you know, I don't – do we know if they can carry a solo hour? Is their personality big enough? Do they have, you know, the chops – again, you, you and I both do podcasts and on our, in our side jobs. Um, you do, you do a solo show. Uh, you have guests that come on. I'm lucky enough to have someone to drone on to talk to, but I, I've done a few solo shows. Those are tough. You are. Talk to yourself for, I mean, you and I get away with 30 minutes on our podcast and it's okay, but to do a three hour show by yourself, with no one to bounce ideas off of, no one to give you feedback, no one to even just give you a minute to take a breath. Um, I yeah. I just don't know that either of those two guys are the voice that I would have said, Hey, they can carry that. I think we look at a guy like Colin Calvert. It makes that look really easy. Now I don't always agree with Colin and let Colin, but I will tell you what, he makes that three hour show by himself look like a breeze. And the first time you hit record and you're sitting in a room by yourself and you start talking and you're getting to like minutes seven and you're like, Oh my goodness, I still have another <laughs> three hours of this. So I don't know that Greenberg or, or, uh, or Kellerman have that, that lane, but I mean, I guess ESPN, I assume. I mean, do you think they do focus groups on this stuff? Or how do you think this stuff comes together? Do you think they, they do any sort of research and analysis on
0: it? You know, I sometimes I wonder. <laughs> just based on the decisions they make, it's like, do they really or, – or do they just, you know – do they get very far out of their box when they get opinions? Because I think that's where they, they probably have a lot of tunnel vision as far as that. Or, or they think, well, these guys are great on TV. We'll just throw them on the radio. I think that's yeah. more what it ends up being.
1: I often wonder too, if it's a cost savings. I know they're, they're still paying Greenberg and Kellerman a lot of money, but again, I don't know what their contracts are, if they add more stuff in. Right. But you know, now in theory, they don't have to pay two more radio hosts, right. They already have, um, you know, both those guys under their contracts. So I don't know if it's a cost saving initiative. I was ESPN did layoffs a bunch and you know, I have no idea if that factors in, but it, whatever the reasoning is, I would love to understand how, how the mechanics of that come together.
0: Yeah. And then they'll round out the afternoons with, uh, Goldick jr. And, uh, his, uh WNBA co-host, and I cannot say her name, so I'm not gonna even try. <laughs> I know it's Shanae is the
1: first name. Agumuke, I think, is the last name. Yeah, <laughs> um, Yes. I don't know what to make Hey, so if, if it were me programming ESPN radio, which is not by the way, but um, so so Mike and Mike Junior and Cheney are four to seven and then you have Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz seven to 10. Mm. I would have put Spain and Fitz in that four to seven hour. I actually I think Jason Fitz is fantastic. I think he's the kind of guy he, again. He, he's really solid. He's got some opinions. He doesn't stand out. He moves the show around. Um, you know, I, I initially wasn't a big fan of his, but as I've heard him more, I think he's a really solid radio host. I think he's a good, I think he'd have been a good partner to to put with like, you know, Keyshawn and Jay Will, because I think he would have figured out how to move that around. Um, I would have put him in Spain at the four to seven hour. And, and maybe there's research that tells people that they listen more seven to 10 than four to seven. I don't know. Um, and, and most local stations go afternoon drive local four to seven. So maybe that means that Golik and cheney won't get that much of an audience, but I was surprised they gave both those two. Chanae, WNBA current WNBA player. I mean, she's yes. still an active player. She's not playing right now because she opted out of the season in, in the and the WNBA wobble as they call it.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I'm she, no no radio experience. Um, we've heard Gold Jr. kind of grow up, and he does a good job. I mean, I think he's serviceable. Um, I'm surprised they gave that slot to two people who were very much on the very early part of their career. Uh, it's a bold move, but I think Spain and Fitz would have been a better fit in that in that time slot.
0: Yeah, you may have hit hit the nail on the head with the afternoon drive being uh, so local oriented in most markets that they probably. Won't won't get a lot of clears they're gonna be they're gonna be on the air in iowa <laughs> yeah yeah and, and not chicago i mean <laughs> well and,
1: and how awkward is this for you know i was watching the, the final um Golick and wingo today how awkward is this for michael jr right like you know he's moving on his dad who's who's you know i, I think it's fair to say he's better than him at this job yeah. um is, is is not moving on and he's moving on and there's a lot of sadness and um that had to be just a whole awkward situation um just kind of dealing with that too i mean Again, I like Michael Gold Jr. I think he's you know he's he's funny. I think he's he's willing to kind of you know make fun of himself. He's willing to um, you know be self deprecating at times. I think he's he's pretty knowledgeable on, on stuff. He doesn't strike me as a guy who cheats to work. Um, but I I just don't. I've never heard those two together, and, and that's a that's a an odd an odd pairing. But to your point, you know, with the with the four to seven slot, perhaps it won't be as widespread as we think.
0: Yeah, and then and then just to go back to Trey Wingo, I mean he he's one of the you know solid ESPN guys. He's great on the NFL. I mean I think he's I think he's one of their better guys, and uh, he may or may not have a contract to to continue. Which you know I thought on the NFL draft when was all virtual, he was a plus. Yeah,
1: Trey's a you know consummate professional. Again, I think he's got a good personality. I think he's funny. Um, it's interesting. He's been, you know, and, and this was even as the Golik and Lingo show was starting. Um, you know, he didn't get the NFL primetime spot or the you know, the NFL Sunday that went to Sam Ponder. Um, now he got kind of, I don't know if he's kicked off of NFL Live, so I'm not quite sure. But I know Laura Rutledge was named sort of the new host. Um, so I don't know if that means trade out of the mix of, of hosting NFL Live, which was kind of his primary role. Um, so now he just has the draft, I guess, on his plate. Um I don't know what his contract's at. is. I know, Golik is, is up at the end of the year. I don't know how how long Trey's contract is, but I got to imagine he's his agent is on the phone. Probably first call to the NFL Network, trying to understand <laughs> are there opportunities there? Do you know that they see a need for me there? Second call, maybe Golf Network, um, you know, Golf Channel, NBC Sports, something along those lines. Um, he's a versatile, talented guy. Uh, I'm I'm surprised they didn't, you know they didn't do more to find a role for him. Um, you know, he's kind of lost in the wash of this whole Golik retirement situation, right? Like, he, he's also leaving too, and his situation is not any brighter than what Golik's is. So, um, I was surprised that he, you know, he, he's kind of found himself in the musical chairs game, kind of the, the odd man out without a chair.
0: Yeah. Well, at least they did one thing for him. Uh, it was that uh, they brought his old pal Herm Edwards on today to, yeah. to, to give, to give uh, him some love. Uh, because they were were great on NFL Live because, yeah, it was all Golik. And it's like, okay, we're going to give Trey something here, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was the only really good uh, Trey-centered moment on the show was when they let uh, – even Trey got kicked off for the final segment um, (laughs) and and for Golik's family, which I think, you know, all all due respect to Golik, I think he earned that opportunity. And I I, I think Trey did the right thing being professional, letting him have it, understanding how important that moment was. But, yeah, you got to wonder what his future looks like um, and where he has is, is go back to Sports Center, But again, I don't know his contract status, but I got to imagine his, his, his agents just blowing up the NFL network right now and trying to see what opportunities may be available there um, to, to get on in a, in a hosting role for them.
0: Yeah, so one topic I wanted to touch on was uh, lead voices at networks. And I have a, I probably have a unique take on it, at least I think I do. Um, and I think the days of the lead voice at a network are past their glory and past their time. And the reason I say that is, you know, back in the day, you know, you had three networks and sports on the weekend. These days you have sports virtually 24 seven and tons of networks that cover them. Um, So you look at the fact, you know, the CBS has Nance and Fox has Joe Buck and NBC, I guess for all intents and purposes, is Mike Tirico uh, in in today's world. Um, I always find it interesting that they still continue that model. And it always drives me crazy every March Madness that, you know, Jim Nance does no college basketball and he helicopters in for the Big Ten and and then March Madness. And I don't think he deserves that honor to call the Final Four. I think that should go to an Iron Eagle or, uh, you know, Vern Lundquist when he was still there. Um, be interested to get your thoughts on that. I, again, the same, the same concept. I don't tune into any um...
1: – you know any sporting event for the announcer? Very few sporting events. I, I was trying to think of this earlier. I don't even know that I can name an announcer that if I'm like, oh, he's calling the game, I'm gonna watch that, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I think on that list, it's interesting. I think I think Nance is. I don't want to say overrated because I, you know, I don't know that I I have the right to say that, but I agree with you. He's kind of in that med category for me. You know, I I don't buy him as a, as an authoritative college basketball voice. I think his, his lane is the masters and golf. And I think he does that really well, right? That's the spot that Jim Nance should be in. And I think it's just that age old thing where kind of like with Greenberg or Kellerman, you take a talent and you go, okay, where else can we put this person? Um, And then I think that's when they get miscast in these things. But part of me wonders if the strategy for some of these networks isn't just that, they want you, the viewer, to be conditioned that if Jim Nance is there, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. If Joe Buck is here, it's a big deal. If Mike Tirico is here, this is a big event versus giving some of those you know, younger guys or some of those younger play-by-play folks or analysts a more of an opportunity of that list. Um, Joe Buck gets a lot of polarizing um, take. I actually always like Joe Buck. I think he, he comes across condescending when he when he does a game. Um, like that's a two two ball right there. Like almost like he doesn't care. He's there and he's just kind of you know you're kind of wasting you're you're boring him. You're bothering him right now because you make him tell us what the what the ball and strike count is. Um, but I think he's serviceable. But I think for for all those, I think there. are – in my opinion, if you gave me the roster of, of the announcers for all those networks, I don't think I'd have either one of – well, Tirico may be the only guy that I, I would have in the top spot for their network. I mm-hmm. definitely wouldn't have Buck. I definitely wouldn't have Nance in the top spot for either of those networks. And if you just made me force them out, I don't know how far down the list they would come. Um, but I think it's that age-old thing where that's their lead voice, that's their person, and they want you, the viewer, to go, oh, Joe Buck's doing the game. must be a big game. Or Jim Nance is there. It must be a big event. When in reality – they don't add much in terms, of, um, in terms of context. One recent signing I really liked, um, I loved him on ESPN, I think he's doing great things, is um, Adam Amin to Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really nice uh, assignment. I think he's a good announcer. I think um, he'll add some versatility. Um, you know, I, I think Fox has some really good announcers. Kevin Burkhardt on the on the football side, I think he does a really nice job. Joe Davis on the baseball side, I think he does a nice job. Um, so I'm, I'm curious how much longer Buck kind of keeps that that top seat, particularly in two sports, right? Like that's that's the anomaly. I guess Nance is kind of that same way, if you want to count his college basketball work. Um, but I, I think uh, I, I all three of those guys. Uh, Tarico is probably the only one where I say, okay, that's a that's a deserved spot. But Tarico shows up on. You know, because NBC's properties are so random. Like, Tariko shows up on the Kentucky Derby, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, like, well, (laughs) all right, I guess he, you know, he's on the Indy 500, and you're like, oh, Tariko's here? Um, That one just always feels weird when they kind of pop Tariko into some of their random properties that they have at, at NBC. And he will eventually be the voice of Sunday Night Football once Al Michaels hangs it I Yeah, I mean, I think that's why he went there, right? But I, we're still <laughs> waiting for that chair to open up, right? Um, so I think I, I'm sure that's the plan, but he's, you know, he's been waiting around for a while. He's been gone ESPN now, what, four or five years? Um, I think he thought he would get that Thursday package at the time. And uh, there was some, some snafu where the NFL wanted the, the primetime game to be to the top, you know, the top voice. Um, so, I think Michael's contract's up in 21, if I have that right, off the top of my head. So, yeah. hopefully he gets, his, he gets his opportunity soon.
0: Yeah, I would think so. And, and it's funny because, you know, going back to Nance, you know, I, I always kind of, you know, also kind of think of me just too smaltzy. You know, and mm. and always trying to impress upon, you know, how eloquent he is. And uh, you know, that to me is a little bit of a turn off. Now I will say this, you know, he was saddled on the NFL with Phil Sims for so long, <laughs> which was a brutal listen if, you, if you, you literally had to sound oh, yeah. down, down. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, he, he, they struck Golden Tony Romo, just like, you know, lightning a lightning bolt. Um, I think that really changed Nance's fortunes around on the NFL.
1: <laughs> but the funny thing about the Romo thing, again, I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan. I know you're you're a Cowboys fan, too, so we, we both have an affinity for Romo, probably, inherently. The funny thing about Romo is Nance got a lot of credit for that. that, right? It was Jim Nance has really helped bring him along, and Jim Nance has kind of showed him the ropes, and, and to me, that was all uniquely tony like no sure as a play-by-play Great. guy nance get out of the way sometimes let your guy talk right that, obviously that's just mechanics 101 but uh, nance got a lot of credit for tony romo being tony romo um and i i nance is almost and this is going to sound kind of hypocritical um because i want a, a quality broadcast i want you know i want you know appropriate broadcast, but Nancy's almost like too polished, too buttoned up. Like I, I want a mistake here and there. I want a, a word flub here and there. I, I want to know that the person doing the game is just like the, the person that I know down the street or just like how I would do the game or you would do the game. You know, we're going to flub, we're going to make mistakes. We're not going to be in the two is upset. Like it just <laughs> feels like shtick to me versus I'm just sitting there talking to somebody and having them tell me what's going on in the game. It's almost to your point. It's almost a little over the top where I, 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 you know, I, I like a little flub, a little mistake, a little bit of personality, and and Nance just seems to be pretty vanilla across the board.
0: Yeah, and uh, and you bring up a great point about Romo because, you know, the the insightfulness that Tony Romo bring, Jim Nance didn't invent that. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, no. All, the, all Jim Nance did was just not talk for, for, for the 30 <laughs> seconds of Romo was talking, but I'm curious to see, you know, what is this going to be, year four for Romo now in, in the booth, I think? Yeah. Um, you know, how... How much people are continue to to like his shtick? You know, I think the first year it was like mind blowing. Like, oh my goodness, somebody knows the play before it's happened. Um, and then, you know, the next year was he was really, you know, um, you know, he's very excitable in the booth. You know, you know, he's very joyful in the booth. I wonder if that has a shelf life to it, um, particularly with the contract he signed. If, if we'll have more eyeballs on him or, or I guess, earlobes on him. Um, I wonder how that'll play out too. I think is again, I think he's fantastic. He's probably the top color guy that I think we have in a booth anywhere across. Well probably anywhere across parts. I need to think about that further. But um, I wonder how much longer before that stick kind of wears off. Um, and if that, if that, if it does wear up at all.
0: Well, you know, I would think, tend to think it won't because it's so unique. And and he is also very self-deprecating and, uh, and has a lot. And you, you can tell he just enjoys watching football and being there. And, you know, you look at, you know, John Madden, I mean, because, you know, basic Tony, Tony Roma is, this generation is John Madden and John Madden stick really never got old.
1: (laughs) Well, the thing I like about Romo and and Madden too. So when I'm, you know, and that's where the jury for me is out on greasy. I think he's a safe hire for for Monday in a football booth. Um, But just again, me and and I'm probably again, the minority sports fan. I want the, you know, the, the, the analyst to tell me something I don't know. Show me something I didn't see. Show, don't tell me the receiver got open for 15-yard gain. Tell me why he got open. You know, get, get the whiteboard out. Show me where he made the move. Show me the defensive coverage. Romo does a really good job of that. Madden was one who was always drawn on the telestrator and the boom and the lap and all that stuff he did. Um, and that's just how I enjoy a broadcast is, is tell me something that I didn't know. Show me something I didn't see. And I think that's where Romo connected with people because people were finally like, oh, my goodness, you can do that? Um, And I I think that'll hold true, but I'll be curious to see how that plays out long term. And if you can keep that up, uh, because after, you know, the first time you see something, it's really exciting. You know, year five, it's like, here we go again with this guy. (laughs) Tell me to play before it runs. Like, I I wonder where the shelf life is on that, if there is one at all.
0: Yeah, but you look at, you know, uh, Troy Aikman, you know, and basically all Troy Aikman does is recite what you just saw, you know, yeah. and I find Troy Eggman to be very interesting because, you know, the few times that they have kind of like moved him off, like you know, when the year he did the draft for Fox, I thought he was excellent, and uh, and when and when he comes out on Twitter with some opinions, you go, that's the Troy I want to hear on Fox, you know, it's it's it, yeah. it, it would be interesting if he would if he would adapt that way, how much better he would be.
1: Yeah, he's a good studio voice. You're absolutely right. When they do um, some of those games where he's out on Thursday nights and he's out on the set in New York when they were doing those on on Fox the Thursday night NFL games, you know he's got an interesting voice. He's you hear him on radio shows. I hear him on Dan Patrick a lot. You know, doing yes. interviews, and he's pretty. You know, he's very personable. He's he's got opinions. He's not afraid to to share that too. So you you wonder if that's a you know a role that he'll ascend to at some point. But it just who's the up and coming guy at Fox that goes in the number one booth? Either either that guy's playing football right now. I um, know they just signed Greg Olson. I think to be their number two when Greg Olson retires. What do you, and I guess that's a new topic? What, what do you what do you think of that phenomenon where Drew Brees, Greg Olson, you know Jason Witten? I guess is kind of in that same ilk. Guys who are getting broadcasting jobs before they even retire. Um, I, I, that that just feels really weird to me. I, I, if they're talent, I get it. But what are your thoughts on some of these guys who are walking right off the field, right into a booth with zero experience, but having almost an emeritus role and, and holding that job for a year?
0: Yeah, and they tried the same thing with Jay Cutler, too. It, yeah. You know, It's like, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it, it is very strange. I understand wanting to have a fresh guy off the field. I mean, I, I totally get that objectivity. For them to be thrust up into the, you know, the upper echelon of their broadcast teams, I think, yeah, I mean, Tony Romo was a gamble. Now, the story be told that, you know, I guess he was at a Super Bowl and he was talking to CBS executives and they were just, you know, having general conversation and they thought, okay, well, man, this would be interesting to see what he would do. Um, but yeah, I find this uh, very intriguing, you know, Olsen's done a couple of games, you know, yeah. while he's been injured, he's been pretty decent. And I guess he did an XFL game with did, uh, yeah. with Kevin Burkhardt. So, yeah. um, but, it, but it is interesting because, you know, you also would, you know, I feel bad for the guys who have been in the industry a long time that uh, probably deserve those shots. And then they get bypassed for a guy walking off the field with very little audition tape.
1: Yeah, I'll give, I'll give Greg Olson credit. He did XFL games. He's done NFL games. He's he's put the you know the reps into some smaller degree. We've I've never heard Breeze call a game. I have no idea if he can call a game. Um, obviously, he had some controversy this past you know this past summer. How does that even play in terms of what he does next year? And is that even still something Fox is interested in? I, I don't know, but I find that a really weird phenomenon that they're all trying to find that next Tony Romo and take him you know straight from the locker room. And you saw the you saw the ying and yang. The yin was Tony Romo did great. The yang was Jason Witten. <laughs> who, again, former Cowboy, I love him to death. He's on the Raiders now. I guess I'll get over that. But um, that just didn't work. And so you, you got you to wonder, um, you know, are these are these gambles working out? I'd be curious, though, so if you could build your favorite NFL booth, who's your play-by-play guy, who's your color guy? You can
0: take from any network. You get one, play, one play-by-play play guy, one color guy. Who do, you, who do you take? Hmm, that's a good one. Well, I think Brumbo's the color guy. That's I think that's a no-brainer. I would, uh, I would say Kevin Burkhart. I was gonna say the same thing. I
1: think Burkhardt is really good. I think he he helped Greg Olson in those games. You heard him on the XFL. Um, I think Burkhardt, and, and if I had to pick, I'd probably go Burkhardt and Romo um, in the in the NFL booth. Um, that won't happen, unfortunately, because they both work at competing <laughs> networks right now. But um, I think I think it's a good up and coming talent too. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm surprised just the phenomenon of taking these guys right off the field and putting them in the booths and then you don't know what you're going to get. It's craps, particularly to your point to a, a real prime time game. Yeah. We um, not on a seven game where it's, you know, Rondé Barber and Chris Myers, and you can kind of hide a little bit, you know, watching Arizona and, and Cincinnati play. Yeah. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious how, how that'll play out long-term for those guys.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, speaking of things on the field, you know, we get the return of the NBA and LB. Um, and I find the broadcast aesthetics that uh, very, very interesting to that. You know, obviously, um, The NBA, there are no announcers on site. Um, Major League Baseball, you have them on site for home games, but not for road games. It's all been very interesting. So let me touch on the NBA first. Um, I got a chance to watch the Magic game this afternoon. And I found it very interesting, um, you know, the the way they've done the court, using the video boards, things like that. I I think the NBA has been extremely innovative in their approach and i and, and just based on the camera angles i got two different thoughts so based on the 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 the, the far back camera camera angle looks like they're on a the stage at carnegie hall <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It's very unique looking uh, especially since you know, you don't have you know fans right on top cameramen things like things like that and then the other camera angles it almost looks like a video game it looks yeah. very very similar to that and i'm, I'm like double taking is is that a real guy? Because <laughs> yeah. the way the background flushes against him, but but overall, I think that how they've gone with that approach has been very and very innovative. I guess they got a little bit of a of, of, of some insight when they the, the basketball tournament uh, took place with the uh, the ex college okay. players. Um, what were your thoughts on on how that worked?
1: Yeah, I think again it was it's innovative, it's creative. Um, I watched some of the some of the games on Thursday night. Um, And I I forgot for a while that I was watching a bubble environment. I thought they, you know, they did a nice job. The crowd noise has to be a little bit different to me. I think it's got to be timed out really well, because if you hear that, that pumping crowd noise, it doesn't match up with the play. I think that can throw people off, especially people who aren't watching intently the entire time. Um, I actually really liked. Um, they have that rail camera. I don't know what they're calling it, but it's basically a, it's on the baseline, and it's kind of similar to to a tennis event where you have that camera that kind of runs on a on a rail that's almost like the sky cam, but not. It's on the ground level. Probably that it was so a fascinating yeah. camera angle. Yeah, same thing. That was fascinating because to your point, you get to see those guys up and close and personal. You know, you saw LeBron on Thursday night with a game winning rebound and then game winning shot um and you saw that from that angle and that's something you never really see before so I, I thought that's an innovative way i don't know how you do that full-time nba right because you have you have fans that are paying thousands of dollars for seats but i, I think the presentation has been good um and i actually i think they do have some announcers on site by the way i do think there are some okay. of those guys um on tnt i think it was reggie miller and kevin Harlan. i think we're actually in the bubble um so i do think they have some of those announcers on site i think they like, Huey Brown didn't go. I think I, I think Jeff Van Gundy's there. I think we'll find out. I think they're on Friday night. Um, but I, so far, I think the presentation's good. I mean, I haven't really noticed a, a difference. Um, I do think some of the fun elements the NBA is trying are helpful. But I, I think they've got to be careful going too far. Now they're doing that, you know, virtual seat thing where you have somebody in the virtual seat, and you know, when, with internet issues and stuff like that. And, you know, I, don't, I think they just need to get to the line, but don't go over it. Um, and I think they're, they're getting probably close to that line where they're, they're probably good enough. Um, but so far I think presentation has been really good.
0: Yeah, and then Major League Baseball, you know, and hopefully we'll we'll still have a season come next week as if uh, if if it doesn't get wrecked by COVID. And uh, thank you, uh, Miami Marlins, for that. Uh, oh man! <laughs> but uh, you know, I've been I've been very interested watching some of the some of that happen. You know, with the crowd noise, as you mentioned, um, Fox tried the virtual fans. Eh, you know, I can I can live with it or without it. wasn't wasn't anything uh, mind blowing. The cardboard cutouts are kind of fine. I mean, it's. Yeah. It, it's something funny you see you see a dog in the background, stuff like that um, to me the the key is you know you do hear the p a announcements and uh and the teams that have an organist mm-hmm. to me you're the ones that have an upper leg in that. <laughs>
1: I was watching the, uh, the summer camp games. I think they call them summer camp. They weren't spring training for whatever reason. And it was an ESPN. I think it was the Cubs were playing the White Sox. And the, to me, the biggest pet peeve was the, the sound wasn't synced up with the video. So you heard the crack of the bat first, and then you turned around and saw the actual hit happen on screen. And so I think some of those things, it sounds like they worked out those kinks. But if I'm going to be fair, baseball is sport where the crowd noise – isn't typically always a thing anyway, right? Some baseball games are pretty, you know, they're pretty quiet until you have the action in between pitches and things like that. So I think that's the sport where you can probably get away with it a little bit more, to your point, a, a low hum of crowd noise, an organist playing something, hearing the PA guy in the background. Um, I think that presentation's been, been fairly strong. I think the only difference you can tell at times Um, I know as we're recording this, I see you wearing a Braves jersey, so I imagine you're a Chipper Jones fan. Chipper Jones has been brought into the broadcast. He's remote, uh, as are all the other guys. I think that's the only thing I've seen at times is for for play-by-play and broadcast booths that haven't worked together to then have to do it remotely from your house with no chemistry. I think that's where I've seen some of the rough edges. You know, teams that have been together for a while that know each other probably easy to play off each other but a guy like a Chipper Jones breaking him in year one putting him in a booth with Rick Sutcliffe who's in California and Boog Shambi who's in New York it's that chemistry coming together that sometimes I think is a bit rougher on the yes yeah.
0: at least with Boog Shambi you know uh, Boog did Braves games at one time so yeah. Chipper is acquainted with him from there and you could tell they have a relationship matter of yeah. fact there's a great clip uh, Look for this on YouTube sometime. When uh, Boog was doing Braves games, and uh, he was always uh, uh, talking to Chipper about, you know, always taking the first pitch. And uh, and, and sure enough, uh, they show a game in San Diego, and they show Chipper take the first pitch for a strike. And and, and Chipper looks back up at the booth, and just gives a clear. It's, it, it's it's it's. It'll make you laugh your socks off. It's great. Yeah. stuff. So, so at least he, he has a relationship. But again, when you're trying to build that chemistry amongst a team, especially with a third partner yeah. in that, that is uh, that is very difficult. And, uh, you know, because, you know, you listen to, you know, uh, Buck and Schmoltz uh, the other night, you know, they've been doing this for years together. So they kind of know yeah. what what each other's going to do.
1: Yeah, Boog's not actually, is actually a much about a Boog. He's another really underrated broadcaster, maybe. And he uh, he was a Florida guy. He did Miami, Florida Marlins games back then. But he was on the same radio station Levitard was on locally. So he was the uh, he was the midday guy. It was Sedano, Boog, and then into Levitard. So um, I've I've heard Boog for years on on local radio. I was sad when he left local radio and then went to. Went to Atlanta. We lost him down here in, in the Florida market at that point. But he's another underrated broadcaster. But you know, but you need those veteran guys though in that situation to be able to to, to traffic cop and bring in Rick Sutcliffe, who's got a unique voice and style. The zone he's kind of got a really slow delivery, both on the mound and in the booth, <laughs> um, and he's kind of got a drawl about him. And Chipper's a little bit more dry humored, um, and so. It's interesting to see these guys come together because they can't be in the booth building that chemistry. And I can't imagine you saw how long it took Tessator and Witten and, and, and Booger in the NFL and on the football side. It's got to be even worse when you're thousands of miles separated apart and you have a Zoom technology where you're probably a bit of a delay. You can't really, you know, you're cutting each other off. Um, I think this year you'll, you'll really start to see, you know, the veteran broadcasters, how that comes out. But it's got to be a tough year if you're sort of a newer, younger broadcaster kind of making all this happen.
0: Yeah, well, you got to look at, it's pretty amazing, you know, if this happened, you know, maybe even 20 years ago, what would we be looking at? Because the technology is so just so much better now that, you know, you can basically, now I know some of these guys are using more, you know, souped up, you know, webcams and and things like that, that you you and I would have on a laptop, but uh, still, uh, 20 years ago, they'd have been struggling on how to do these things.
1: Well, I wonder how much of this becomes the new norm, right? We, we talk about the new norm all the time, and obviously none of us know what's going to happen with uh, with the pandemic and where that's going to shake. But, you know, uh Gold and Wingo did it from Goldwick's basement. And to me, the, the sound quality wasn't any different. The production value on the TV side wasn't any different. So it makes you wonder uh, how much of this may become the norm where people are just always remote. I mean, there's plenty of shows that have done that. You know, PTI is probably the first one I can think of where Tony and Mike are very rarely in the same room anymore. Um, and so they pull that show off, and it just, feels organic, you got to wonder how much of, of that will take the new norm Um, you know, where you don't always have people together from a broadcast perspective, or even, you know, MLS, right? So MLS is in the bubble in Orlando. Um, Adrian Healy and and Taylor Twelman have been calling the games from the studios of ESPN in Bristol. I don't know what's the difference. I don't know that they're there. They're in the same spot. They're just not where the game's at. I can't really tell any difference. So it makes you wonder how much of that will will eke into the new norm um, once, you know, once the pandemic sort of settles down.
0: Which is interesting because, you know, ESPN was starting to do that a lot with college basketball calling from studios. and They were starting to take some heat for that. Because you know they weren't yeah. on site, things like that. Now look, now look where we're accepted.
1: at. Accepted, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's accepted. But I think it'll be interesting to see how that how that breaks out. Right. You know, can you do, you know, more stuff like that remotely? Does that help drive down production costs and, you know, keep keep additional shows on the air that wouldn't be on the air? Put put voices together that maybe couldn't be together because there were some logistical challenges. I think it could open up a whole world of possibilities um, if you're going to particularly talk on the sports radio or sports talk front um, to, to put some voices together.
0: Yeah. Well, Adam, this has been a blast. I've been you know, to say this is one of the fascinating topics I've to talked about, and I'm glad that you're, uh, you're in tune with all this stuff, too. So the, we'll definitely do this uh, on occasion and uh, uh, break down the media and broadcasting world. And of course, uh, you're my colleague on the Nightline Sports Network, co-host of the Sons of UCF. Uh, tell folks uh, uh, about the show, where to follow you guys on show, social media and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, so we are uh, we are at uh, Sons UCF on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on there. My co-host is Mike. You can find him at UCF Mike One. Uh, we release every Wednesday morning. So if you go to your favorite podcast platform, search for the Nightline Sports Network, hit that subscribe button. Uh, what you'll get, you'll get our show every Wednesday. Actually, Jeff, your show is out every Thursday. I think so. Yep. Um, two for the price of one, right? One button, two shows. You can't beat that deal. Uh, we've been doing it for almost two years now. We're coming up on our, our 100th show soon, our, our second year of, uh, uh, of, of shows. Just had Michelle Akers on from, uh, um, from Women's Soccer Fame. And uh, in our upcoming show uh, next week, we, uh, we actually have another UCF Hall of Famer. So, um, so stay tuned for that. Um, but uh, check us out, Sons of UCF. Again, Nightline Sports Network.
0: Hit subscribe. And we'll be there for you each and every Wednesday. Yeah, so if you wonder who that Hall of Famer is, you have to listen. Gotta tune in. I'm not telling you right now. I'll tell Jeff off air. I'm not going to tell you guys. <laughs> Very good. Your secret will be safe with me. Adam, thanks so much for uh, being here. I do appreciate it.
1: Anytime, Jeff. Thank you.
0: All right, and stay safe during the storm. Charge on. And we'll be back to close out with the TV theme right after this. Five reasons why you should listen to or advertise with Captain and Company in the morning. One, just under four decades of professional broadcasting experience. AM, FM, online. Two, programming music you listened to before you settled down and started a family. Three, live every weekday morning just as reliable as your automobile. Four, no spin doctor here. I just can't fix stupid. Five, if you got this far, please go back to reason number one. Weekday mornings right here on your favorite online station. Our primary objective is to keep the groove. I got Old Oldschool101.com. Forget about it. The theme from Third Rock from the Sun, which ran on NBC from January 1996 to May of 2001, about four extraterrestrials who are on an expedition to Earth, the third planet from the sun, which they consider to be a very insignificant planet, and they pose as a human family to observe the behavior of human beings. Of course, the star of the show, the great John Lithgow, as Dick Solomon, the high commander and leader of the expedition, the family provider and a physics professor at Pendleton. Information officer and oldest member of the crew, Tommy, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, given the body of a teenager, forced to enroll in high school and later college. That left security officer, Sally, played by Kristen Johnson, and the one with the transmitter in his head, Harry, Played by French Stewart, to spend their lives as twenty somethings hanging out at home, bouncing through short term jobs, and also the show involving their relationships with humans, mostly their love interests. And of course, John Lithgow, Dick Solomon's love interest, was the great Jane Curtin, who played Dr. Mary Albright, the professor of anthropology at Pendleton. And many of the uh, issues which the four aliens struggle to uh, struggle and appear take part in her conversations at work. And furthermore, those four alien researchers end up looking more or less like joy writers as they get farther and farther into human life. And the family often communicates through Harry with their off-world and mostly unseen boss, the big giant head, who when he finally visits Earth, appears in the body of William Shatner. And Harry unexpectedly would always stand up, his arms stiff, and proclaim, Incoming message from the big giant head! <laughs> Third Rock from the Sun, that was always, uh, and of course, one of my favorite uh, lines from that was uh, when John Lithgow looks in the mirror and goes, Oh, my God, I'm gorgeous. (laughs) Uh, Good stuff and a terrific sitcom from the 1990s. Thanks again for Adam Eaton and hope you enjoyed that conversation about media and broadcasting. And, again, if you're listening during the storm or after the storm, hopefully everything goes okay and you're not stressed out too much or have to deal with too many inconveniences along the way. And stay safe and say well. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the
1: website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email,
0: JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs.